Hey, 12. Congratulations, man, on passing my touchdown record. I have one request. Go get us another Super Bowl. Congrats. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Today's not a holiday, but it's kind of a holiday. You know what I mean? Like, we went to work today, quote-unquote, but did we, I mean, between you and me, did we, did we really... It was understood when you got to the office today, right? It's like, we're here, we're present, but I ain't get anything done, right? So I was afraid when I woke up this morning that I was going to talk about this Badger Bowl game, which I don't know if I can do with two full hours on the Badgers beating the Sun Devils in the Las Vegas Bowl. Excuse me, the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. I didn't think that I was going to be able to carry the whole show. So my fear was I'm going to have to do research and I'm going to have to work hard and I'm going to put together this... You know, 21 best sports moments in Wisconsin sports of the year 2021, and I was going to have to do all this work. I was afraid that that was going to have to be the case. And then Kirk Cousins got COVID, and that became the story of the day. I was like, okay, good. We can just talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't have to put together some year interview segment. We can do Badgers. We can do Kirk Cousins and the irony of him getting COVID after Mike Zimmer predicted this in training camp, and we can do that. Great. I don't have to do some countdown of the 21 best sports moments in the year 2021 or something like that. I don't know. The Bucks winning the championship, the best sports moment of the year. Ah, there you go. That's year in review. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Happy New Year's Eve. God, I just can't wait to turn a fresh page and get a new lease on life starting tomorrow. Eating healthy and working out. I said this uh, to a coworker earlier today, and I guess I, I mean it. I didn't mean to sound sarcastic about uh, the possibilities of a new year. I've seen so much on social media, and you can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I've seen so many people tweeting that New Year's resolutions are dumb. Why even do them? We give them up after a week, right? New Year's resolution, more like New Year's quit on it right away or whatever. It's, people are very negative. And I see this. I was like, you know, for all the things we have to be negative about, and there are many of them in our world right now, Betty White passed away today. We just can't catch a break as humanity. Why are we doing this to ourselves? New Year's resolutions should be fun they should be exciting and yeah if you give them up after two months you give them up after two months but why we're not even gonna do them now they see so much negativity about new year's resolutions on social media i won't have it i won't have it let's go into the new year with some positivity yeah it probably won't last very long the way we've been trending the last few years but that's okay we can at least hold on to it for a for a couple of days give me a text or a call 608-796-2558 that's the talk and text line matthew collar of purple insider our vikings ringer is going to join us at 5.30. If you've never heard Matthew before, he's got the Purple Insider podcast. Purple Insider is his own thing. He covers the Vikings for himself. He used to be on ESPN 1500 in the cities, and he's been on the Vikings beat for years, but now he kind of covers them independently. And his work is really, really good, and he's always super flexible and willing to come on. And I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if it's me or I don't know. But for whatever reason, he always likes coming on, and he always says yes when I invite him. So he's going to join us at 5.30 to talk about the Kirk Cousins news, to preview Packers-Vikings on Sunday Night Football this upcoming weekend. Ben Kenny is going to be here at 4.30, which should be really fun. He is our Badgers ringer, or one of them. Uh, Zach Heilprin is another one of our Badgers ringers. We talked to him on Wednesday to preview the game, so I thought, let's chat with Ben Kenny today, and we can look back at last night. And mostly I need Ben to kind of help me understand some things that went down last night because 
I, look, I'm along for the ride with the Badgers, but I'd be lying if I said I had a long list of takes and opinions about the, what the hell bowl was it called? The what bowl? Well, Las Vegas Bowl. That's right. That's it. The SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. The Badgers won last night. 20 to 13. It wrapped up around 1230, I believe. Yeah. Um, it, it took a while. So if you were up, great. Join the conversation. And if not, I'll try to fill you in the best I can. First, let's go to the phones. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hi, hi, Grant. How are you? Happy New Year, Grant. Happy New Year to you, too. What's going on? Well, I heard that it looks like Rogers might be retiring. What's the story on that? Could you tell me on that, Grant? Oh, I suppose I can help you out. I mean, he was just asked about the offseason. And, he, you know, you know Rogers. He's all, everything's on the table. Everything's a possibility. You know, just kind of I, the same old. I love, I love Aaron Rodgers. I hope and pray he plays another five to six years because I tell you what, he is so talented. And I just, I love his, uh, his zeal and I love his toughness. Yeah. And I just hope and pray that he plays for many more years. We love his show, uh, Grant. We love Dave Carney's show, too. God bless. Yeah, God bless. Have a happy New Year. I appreciate the call. The Aaron Rodgers story this week is funny because he's talking about his future and, you know, I, maybe I could retire, maybe this, that, the other thing. Um, and, and obviously the storylines with Rodgers this year has been insane. And we talked about this with Danny Heifetz. Was that Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't remember when he was on. Or was that yesterday? When did we have Danny on? I think it was yesterday, actually. Um and we were talking about just the litany of different storylines with Aaron Rodgers over the years, from the offseason and the draft to being unhappy and I want Goody fired and then the COVID thing and then the toe thing. It's just been never-ending. And with Kirk Cousins, there's been a little bit of that too. It's been the won't-get-vaccinated thing. Remember the quote where he said, if I die, I die? And we're like, oh, okay, Jesus. Okay, well, no one asked, but thank you for sharing, Kirk. And then, of course, Mike Zimmer in training camp saying, what did he say? You know, this is going to cost us, you know, a game right before the playoffs or something like that. Like, he saw this coming ahead of time, and now Kirk Cousins is going to miss a very important game. That's essentially, if the Vikings lose this weekend, they're out of the playoffs. And if they're in, and if they win, they got about a 50% chance. We'll talk about Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers and preview this game coming up, the Sunday night football game uh, that we're now two days away from. I want to start by talking about the Badgers game last night, mostly because I stayed awake. And if I stayed up until 12.30 to watch two unranked teams play, the Badgers now 9-4, and four, Arizona State rounds out their season at 8-5. and five. If I'm staying up to watch these two teams, I'm talking about it the next day. Otherwise, what the heck has it all been for? Because <laughs> this game didn't have playoff implications, not really any implications of any kind except for the players who got to be there, and obviously we got a little bit of entertainment. Bowl games are funny because they're really only worth whatever value you give them. Right, We decide how valuable bowl games are. Now, playoff games, ones that decide national championships, that's different. But even the Rose Bowl. But, I mean, the Rose Bowl, you don't hang a banner for the Rose Bowl. You don't get championship rings for a Rose Bowl. It's a great bowl, but it, in the grand scheme of things, really still doesn't mean all that much. Unless you're talking about playoff games, all of these bowls are, quote-unquote, meaningless. I think a lot of college football fans or just sports fans need some kind of stakes. We need something on the line. I got a couple of tweets last night at Wisco Grant. So this is a meaningless bowl game. Well, aren't they all meaningless? Really? When you think about it? I mean, everything's meaningless. Our life is meaningless. We're just hurtling through space on a rock. But you, you get my point, right? And then some people just, they like watching football for the sake of football. And football is great. And I'll watch football and awesome. I don't even care who the teams are, or where they're playing, or if they're any good, or if their starters are playing. Don't care. Football's great. I brought this up yesterday. However you feel about bowl games, good for you. Keep feeling that way. If you think there are too many bowl games and you don't want to watch them all, well, then don't watch. That's fine. 
Don't watch. There's lots to watch. Lots of other things. The Book of Boba Fett just started. I'm excited to get home tonight and watch the first episode of that. It got there. Lots of good new movies. I watched the new movie Don't Look Up earlier this week. Kind of depressing, but very good. Lots of famous people. There's lots to watch. You don't need to watch full games. What bothers me is, and we see this a lot with the NBA too, where somebody doesn't like the NBA or somebody doesn't like bowl games, so then they make it an everybody else thing. Well, we should get rid of all these games. Well, actually, there's a lot of people who like these games. The NBA sucks. Well, actually, there's a lot of people who love the NBA. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing. Watch something else. Quit annoying the rest of us. I don't watch most of these bowl games, but I'm not bitching on Twitter all the time that we should get rid of them. There's a lot of people that really like them. I like college football playoff games. I'll watch those. I'm watching Alabama versus Cincinnati right now. I'm going to watch Michigan-Georgia tonight. I'll watch New Year's Day Bowls. I'll watch the Rose Bowl, the other big ones. And if there are any high draft pick quarterbacks, like if I can watch the presumptive number one or number two pick in the draft at quarterback in a bowl, I'll watch that too because that's just good knowledge going into the NFL draft. I like watching those players. Other than that, I'm probably not going to watch a lot of these bowl games unless, of course, the Badgers are playing and they keep me up past midnight as they did last night. Right? That game was fun. This is a fun game. Didn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Certainly doesn't have long-standing implications for years to come. But it was fun. It's like when your favorite musical artist drops a single. And it's not going to be a classic. And it's not going to win awards. But it's, it's fun. It's a f- fun little song. Right? That's kind of what I think about Silk Sonic that put out an album this year. Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack got together and made an album. I don't think 40 years from now we're going to be telling our grandchildren about that album like we do with Pet Sounds or like Sgt. Peppers or Abbey Road, but it's fun. It was really fun. It's a fun album. Is it going to stand the historical test of time? Probably not. And certainly the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl won't, but it was fun. We got a couple of hours of entertainment. A couple of takes that I went to bed thinking about last night, and that only took all of about five minutes once the game was over. Graham Mertz actually made a couple of throws last night in big spots too. You notice that? A couple of long third downs third and longs one was on the run one was under pressure you know ben kenny and he's going to be on the show at 4 30 so we'll talk to him in about 15 minutes he did a pretty good breakdown on twitter with the film clips pointing out all of these third downs especially on that final drive where mertz kept the drive going kept the clock running and the badgers were able to close out the game 20 to 13 without ever giving the ball back to arizona state that final drive 19 plays nine minutes and 53 seconds And it ended with a turnover on downs because they ran it on fourth down to take the last two seconds or whatever. No points. How do you go 19 plays, 953, and get no points? Right? It's unheard of. And it's funny because when you remember all of the conversations we've had over the last two or three weeks, about the last month, ever since the Minnesota game, we've been talking about Paul Christ and maybe he should make changes to this or that and and maybe adjust his staff or make some philosophical changes about the way Wisconsin runs things and and the way their program is designed, right? All those things. It's almost like that final drive of the game was a sign from heaven above. It just screamed Wisconsin Badgers football. Like, hey, before you guys go away from the running game and playing low and slow and grinded out football and offensive line, just remember this works, right? That final drive was like, oh, but there's the Wisconsin we know and love. We we talk about getting rid of it. We talk about going in a different direction and changing up the program. But that final drive showed just how effective Wisconsin football traditionally has been, especially over the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, they win bowl games. Feels like two out of every three years. Feels like that final drive was a sign from above. It's like, hey, don't forget your roots moving forward. You might bring in a new offensive coordinator. Maybe Joe Rudolph leaves the program 
There's rumors of him going to Virginia Tech and this, that, and maybe there's transfers or whatever. But don't forget your roots. Don't for, don't forget where you're from, right? That's what I saw. That's what that last drive told me. Or maybe it was the beer. Um, I, I was going to stay sober if I have to watch two unranked teams after midnight. No way. I'm definitely having a beer, and maybe the beer was speaking to me. But I, I think the final drive was speaking to us Badgers fans. That game was fun. Right in there, are a few things that we can take into this offseason. Graham Mertz had a good performance. Uh, shades of Alex Hornibrook in the Orange Bowl, getting us excited going into the next season. And that long drive that went 19 plays, 953 at the end of the game is almost this reminder that Wisconsin football works and it's effective when you run it correctly. So there were some fun things from last night and some things that we can take away. Now, I know Badgers fans are always asking, what's next, right? Where do we go from here? How do we get bigger, better, stronger? How do we climb the hierarchy in the Big Ten and nationally towards the college football playoff, right? How do we take the next step? Because a lot of fans think of college football as a ladder. And I guess it is. I guess. Maybe. Although it's not like Alabama has been climbing, climbing, climbing. They're just at the top. And Georgia's just at the top. And Ohio State's just at the top. I don't know if there's a lot of teams underneath that are ascending. But that's how we like to think of it. Okay, so the Badgers this year make the Rose Bowl. Then the next year, they're in the Big Ten Championship game. And they get a little bit better. And eventually, we're in the playoff. And eventually, we're winning titles. And we right, we can see it. We're laying it out. And that's the dream. And on Wednesday, I heard Bill Michaels had Zach on, Zach Heilprin. And Bill asked Zach about the next step. Now, forget about the Las Vegas Bowl. Right? How does this Badgers team get to the point where they're consistently winning the West and they're competing with Ohio State and Michigan and they're beating those teams and they're making college football playoffs? How, how, do we, how do we get there? Consistently winning the conference and contending and winning national titles, fighting for national titles. How do we get there? That's, that's always the question. Folks, it's not going to happen. That's not happening. It's not happening. So to quote Nick Saban and Bama's playing right now, so quit asking. Right, Every time we have a Badgers guest on any radio show, reporter or as Ben is a reporter but he also does great podcasting work and he writes and like people that cover this team every time they're on a radio show I always I always hear this well how do we how do we take the next step how does this program take the next step and and compete with Ohio State and Michigan and and contend for national title they're not gonna they can't it's not happening now that doesn't mean it can't happen once or twice the Badgers have come really close Russell Wilson they maybe should have made the national title game that year just a couple of things go their way. They had a great shot that year. They've had great chances the last couple of years. Remember when they were in uh, the Big Ten Championship game, up big on Penn State, and they had a lead over Ohio State. They've had chances, but it's not every year, and it's not going to be every year. This dream that the Badgers are going to continue to get bitter and better and stronger and then be on equal playing field with Ohio State and Michigan, and then they'll take the next step, and they'll send to the top of the Big Ten and make out that. No, that's not happening. That's not happening. Doesn't mean that they can't pop up and be a problem once every couple of years. Right? Like Jim Leonard's defense this year was first versus the run, fifth versus the pass, and sixth in total scoring. With a defense like that consistently every season, like the Badgers have had, you're going to win a lot of games. You just need things to line up every once in a while where all of your offensive studs are peaking at the right time, everyone's healthy, you get some breaks in the schedule, and then you go for it. But the idea that the Badgers are going to get to a place where every year they're fighting with those top teams in the Big Ten, and every year they're fighting for the college football playoff, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. It's just not how this is. So, Badgers fans, I hate to be rain on the parade here. Although, I don't know if anyone's screaming national title and we want Bam after beating ASU in the Las Vegas Bowl. But with the Badgers, we need to realize what they are. 
They're a really successful program that has geographical challenges, academic challenges, climate challenges. It's cold, right? And there is a, a limit to the amount of talent in Wisconsin and Minnesota, although they've recruited the Twin Cities pretty darn well. They pulled a lot of good linebackers out of the Twin Cities, right? But Wisconsin just, they don't have another step they can take. They're not going to realize a new form. This is, this is who they are. Some years we're going to be in the Pinstripe Bowl or Las Vegas Bowl. And then when you get a chance and you're in the Big Ten title game and you have a good team, you can't blow the lead to Penn State. You can't blow the lead to Ohio State because those are the years you got to get it done. you got to make hay while the sun shines. This year the sun wasn't shining, so we hope for next year. We hope. And if the sun's shining and everything goes great, then you can't lose to BYU or you can't blow a multi-touchdown lead to Penn State. And that's been the case over the last 10 years. Let's keep talking Badgers. We're going to hear a little bit from Graham Mertz and talk big picture about this program and the direction it's headed. All that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Happy New Year's Eve. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Badgers. Ben Kenny's going to be here in 10 minutes to join us, talk about last night's bowl game, some of the young talent that came out of nowhere, made some plays, especially at receiver last night, and on the defense, too. Offensive line had good moments. We're going to talk about that. And big picture, the direction of this program, which is a good direction. And that's what I was talking about right before we took that last break. Badgers fans, we got to stop thinking that this program is going to take a step and be Ohio State and then take a step and rule the Big Ten and then take a step and win college football playoff games. Maybe every once in a while, when everything comes together, every couple of years, when all the recruits line up and the schedule lines up and they stay healthy and everything works out, yeah. But the Badgers are the Badgers. Wisconsin is Wisconsin. They have their own thing. Iowa is their own thing. Northwestern is their own thing. And all those programs have been really successful relative to their geography relative to their budget relative to their academic constraints and we're just going to drive ourselves crazy and we're going to hate the badgers if every year we think they're going to take quote unquote the next step and become the next ohio state or michigan michigan it took what eight or nine years for them to beat ohio state michigan's not on the same level with ohio state they think they should be the fans do i think the university's got it figured out jim harbaugh took a little bit to beat ohio state and they said no we'll be patient no, it's fine. We're not going to fire you. Nobody beats Ohio State. We're not expecting you to beat Ohio State every year. We can grow slowly. We can wait for our time. And this year, Michigan's time came. I actually want to play you a cut that I saw on Twitter today. This is Colin Cowherd. And this wasn't from his show. He just posted this on his Twitter. And he was talking about coaches in the SEC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the Big 10. And I've thought for the last couple of years that the Big 10 maybe has the best coaches in college football. James Franklin, Urban Meyer, now Ryan Day, right? Harbaugh, Kirk Ferentz, Paul Chris, now Scott Frost is in the mix too. In hell, Greg Schiano's at Rutgers. They have really good coaches and coaches that fit at these schools and they retain them. Meanwhile, everyone else in college football, they're going all over the place. Colin Cowherd posted this on his Twitter today and I think he makes some amazing points and it speaks to what I'm saying about understanding and limiting your expectations and understanding how good your program should be or how poor they should be, where they fit in the landscape. I think it's interesting. The SEC, over the last 10, 15 years, I think has, it's pretty clear if you look at data, recruiting, NFL draft, SEC has the best players in college football at any conference. But I've been arguing for a long time now, the 
Big Ten has the best coaching. And part of that is because coaches are allowed to make a mistake in a hire or to pivot, start over on something. Jim Harbaugh is a great example. He would have already been fired in the SEC. But instead, they reworked his deal, allowed him to make some changes on the staff, and here they are with a chance to beat Georgia, a good chance, and play for the national championship. Take Iowa. There is no Kirk Ferentz in the SEC who's built a great culture, who has changed lives, who has been in 17 bowl games and won nine. Yeah, that's not allowed in the SEC. He would have been fired a decade ago. The Big Ten has more realistic expectations, more patient ADs and administrations, and that's why I think they can retain really good coaches. So I think that's brilliant. I think every part of that is right now. We're speculating when we say, well, Kirk Ferentz would never keep a job in the SEC, or they would have fired Jim Harbaugh in the SEC. I, I guess we don't know that, but his point is Big Ten schools are patient. They realize who they are. They realize what they do. Like, LSU has had great years where they've pop popped up and had amazing teams, right? But they're not Bama. They're not good consistently like Bama. Auburn, the same thing. Auburn's had amazing years where they've knocked off Bama and won the SEC and done cool things, but they're not Bama. And LSU, firing coaches every couple of years, paying huge buyouts because they feel like they should run the SEC. Well, no, you shouldn't. No, it's not how it works. Same with Auburn, right? And Michigan is this great example, and I'm glad that Cowherd brought it up. Michigan could have fired Harbaugh years ago, and I think a lot of the fan base would have been okay with it. We're not beating Ohio State. We're not winning national titles. No one's beating Ohio State. There's only like three teams that win national titles. It's Bama, it's Ohio State, and then it's another random team every once in a while like LSU where, again, everything lines up, the schedule, the recruits all pop at the same time, and you get a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, right, Justin Jefferson team with Clyde edwards Lair that's just unreal good, right? But other than that, it's Bama. It's Ohio State. It's Oklahoma. And Michigan gets it. They're not supposed to beat Ohio State every year. That's just not where their program is. Maybe one day, way down the road, but expecting one year to take a little light leap and get a little better, a little better, and then overtake Ohio State, it's just not, it's not how college football works. And expectations kill coaches in college football, and it kills players, and it kills programs when fans are delusional about their program and think that their team should be doing way bigger, better things than they are. Wisconsin can make, an, they can make a college football playoff. They maybe should have done it at one point in the last couple of years. They've had opportunities, but... They just let it slip away. I think when they've had their best teams, they've been in Big Ten title games, like against Penn State, and they let that get away from them. Or Ohio State when they had a lead, and they let that get away from them. Wisconsin's not supposed to do that every year. Michigan's not even supposed to do that every year. And I love that Jim Harbaugh was given time, switch up his offensive coordinator, make some tough decisions, adjust, pivot, try different things. He ended up bringing in Josh Gaddis, and I think their offense has been good, and he eventually got back to what made him great in the first place. At every place he's coached, Stanford, and now at Michigan, but also in the NFL, really tough, the line of scrimmage. Defensive line beats you up. This Michigan defensive line is nasty. The offensive line dominates the line of scrimmage. We run the ball. Do you see the way they pounded Ohio State on the ground? Michigan figured it out, but sometimes that takes time. And athletic directors and boosters and fans that think it should all happen right away and that should it happen every year, that's how you really let a program get into disarray. Wisconsin is stable. Got a coach that fits the program, fits the culture. I think he'll probably make some adjustments this offseason, and I don't know if Joe Rudolph is going to stick around, bring in some new offensive minds, bring in whatever. 
Not saying that nothing should ever change, but the idea that you need to blow it all up because this, this right now just isn't good enough. Winning in the Las Vegas Bowl isn't good enough. Well, then you're being delusional. Then you're being delusional. Graham Mertz was asked last night if he thinks that the team took a step this year, if the program took a step forward. 100%. I think, I think this team, this program did. Uh, you, you get into a spot, back against the wall, everybody telling you you can't do something, what are you going to do? And uh, a lot of guys, a lot of young guys, too, learned that from, from the seniors' response. Um, but, yeah, we, we took a, a big step forward as a program, starting, starting off one and three, and then that, that bounced back. I'm not disagreeing with Graham Mertz. That's his opinion. He would probably know more than me. He's been there a couple of years now, right? And he's in Madison. I'm in some studio in Lacrosse, and I'm looking at a computer. Like, I'm not there. But I don't know if it's about taking a step forward as a program or taking a step back. Right? It's just the talent you have on the field. It's your ability to win games. Winning 10 games this year and winning 11 games next year, that doesn't mean you're stepping forward as a program. It means you more, you know, won an extra game. I don't know. College football is very stationary. Teams, for the most part, stay at the same spot in the hierarchy. Ohio State, yep. Michigan took a little bit of a jump this year, but that's probably not going to continue next year. I wouldn't bet on them to win the Big Ten again next year. Probably Ohio State again. Alabama, look, they're probably going to go to the national championship. They're beating up on, uh, they're beating up on Cincinnati right now. So I'm going to watch a little bit of that game. Take a break. We're going to get Ben Kenny. He does lockdown Badgers, but you hear him on the Bill Michaels Show. You hear him on the Zone, our affiliate Madison. Ben Kenny will join us to talk about this. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, an hour from now, Matthew Collar is going to be here from Purple Insider. Covers the Vikings. We're going to talk about the Kirk Cousins news, but also preview the game. Because the Packers and Vikings play on Sunday. I know the story is Kirk Cousins is going to miss time. But to be honest, a lot of guys have missed time this year because of COVID. Rodgers missed games. Lots of players. Vikings, Packers have all missed games. Carson Wentz is going to miss games. Russell Wilson. Lots of quarterbacks have missed time. This shouldn't derail anyone's season one week. But the way the Vikings have set it up, win probability is about 50% to make the playoffs if they win. And it's pert near zero if they lose. Which is why the timing is horrible and why, of course, everyone's probably going to drag Kirk Cousins for this. And they are dragging him. We're not going to do too much of that. But preview the game. Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. That's in one hour. Right now, Ben Kenny. I was lucky enough to catch the man. He had today off. He had a holiday uh, for New Year's Eve. So he was on his way to Chicago this afternoon. I gave him a call and we chatted about the Badgers win last night. We are Las Vegas Bowl champs. Feels good. Here's our conversation with Ben. I talked to him about 2 o'clock this afternoon. Ben Kenny is here. You hear him on the Bill Michaels show, the Bill Michaels huddle. He's always doing Badger stuff, and you hear him all across the zone in the mornings with Ebo, uh, our affiliate Madison. Ben, first of all, congratulations. What a win last night. We're Las Vegas Bowl champs. Feels good, right? Listen, another bowl wins another bowl win. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a down year for the program. They finished 9-4. and four. I will say this. I never want to watch another bowl game that starts at 10 p.m. Oh, Oh, it was terrible. So you you stayed up through the through the finish line. I really thought about going to bed at halftime, and I was I was doing the math in my mind. It's like, okay, I'll come on the air tomorrow, and this is what I'll say, and I'll just be honest. And then I'm like, nah, screw it. I'll just I'll just stay up. It's fine. I mean, I was out last night too, so it was fine. But stay. I mean, 
it was more the hours beforehand. I was fine with the lack of sleep. Yeah. It was, why do I have to wait until 10 p.m. to watch them play? Oh, it felt like forever. It got till, because I was out too. We went to a couple of spots, and then it was 9.15, and I was like, wait a minute. I still got to watch a Badger game tonight. Okay, but it was great. Another notch on Paul Christ's belt. It doesn't matter which bowl. It's just, it's a bowl win, and a bowl win is a bowl win. And Graham Mertz... I saw you putting some film clips up on Twitter, a couple big third down conversions, shades of Alex Hornibrook in the Orange Bowl. That was good stuff from our boy Graham Mertz <laughs> last night. We love that. He was clutch. He was clutch. I mean, Wisconsin didn't throw the ball all that much. He obviously had a couple really easy completions, like the touchdown to Ferguson. But the three big-time throws he made, there were three long third downs. Two of them ended up going to freshman wide receivers, Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell. There was the early Marcus Allen one, I think 30-something yards. There was the third and maybe nine where Mertz rolled out to his left and found Skylar Bell, and he made a diving catch. Then there was the last drive one to Jamara DK. He made the big-time throws when he needed to. He obviously had the one mistake, the interception. But, I, I mean, Wisconsin doesn't win that game if he doesn't make big-time throws in those spots. Well, and that drive at the end of the game, too, what did they go, 90-some-odd yards, and it was like 15, what was it, 19 plays and took nine minutes? I don't even, it was insane. And I kept looking up during this drive. It's like, oh, well, now there's five minutes left. Now there's two minutes left, and they just ran it down. And, Ben, I watched that drive, and I was thinking about what to say about this game on my show, and I'm like, well, that's the drive. That's that's the image right there. That's Wisconsin football. It was all summed up in that final drive. And then I, I listened to the pressers later today, and, and that's what Graham Mertz said last night, too. That drive, I think, symbolized Wisconsin football, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially the play. I think it was second and 10 near midfield. They hand to Braylon Allen. Uh, the offensive line gives him a gap up the middle, and he, he goes forward. A good cutback, goes forward for seven, eight yards, and then he gets in a big pile, and the offensive yep. line comes, and they push him forward. 14-yard gain. I think that play in and of itself, but yeah, it, it was a balanced drive, and it ended in a turnover on downs, which I find hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Well, and it's funny, because I was listening to Graham Mertz's presser, and he's talking about this drive, and he said, hey, I told the guys before, this is what we do spring conditioning for, this is why we're here in the summer, is for this, you know, a drive like this. And I was like, wait a minute, you went 19 plays, you didn't even score, you turned it over on downs, but yet that was the drive <laughs> that it was all building towards. I was like, if that's not Wisconsin football, I don't know what is. Is Braylon Allen just healthy now? Because he looked like a different version of himself compared to the Minnesota game. Was he just nicked up by the end of the season? Because he looked his best self last night. I 100%. He even talked about it. It's crazy when you think about it. Everyone talks about his age, obviously, which his birthday's in January, so we're close to not having to hear it again. But he played two football seasons in the calendar year 2021. Yeah. Because he, Fondelac, played in the spring, then he joins Wisconsin during the summer and plays another year. I think that's even more insane than his youth and how good he was. Yeah, he was really nicked up. And I think uh, last night's game shows you how good Allen can be, and we saw it throughout the year, but how good he can be when Chesma Lucy is also healthy. Because when, when with both of them in the backfield next year, yeah. that means you're going to have a fresher Braylon Allen, a little bit of change of pace. I, that's definitely going to be a dynamic rushing attack. So tell me about some of these wide receivers. Uh, by the way, we're talking with Ben Kenny. You hear him on Bill's show, and he's just excellent all over all of our Badgers coverage. I'm not going to lie. Some of these guys I never heard of before. And I was like, okay, who's catching passes now? But then I read last night and today, some of these young guys are stepping up due to injuries. That's got to be a nice feeling moving into next year. So talk about some of these young guys and maybe how they'll play next year with Malusi and Braylon Allen both coming back in the backfield. Definitely. I, it wasn't only the wide receivers. So okay. I, I, during the game, I – 
Kendrick Pryor got hurt and Danny Davis was out. Jameer DK was playing. He was kind of in and out. But then they have Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell, guys who I mentioned. And this is a game-wide thing. We're starting to see the class of 2021 see the field and make an impact. And that was the class. Braylon Allen was in it. The highest-rated class Wisconsin's ever taken in. Both of those wide receivers were in the class of 2021. They're both set. People are glowing about where Marcus Allen's at. He, he was committed to Michigan, decommitted, then came to Wisconsin. So that wide receiver room, a lot of talent moving forward. You can also look at the defensive side of the ball. Hunter Wohler was out there making plays at safety. Daryl Peterson was in at outside linebacker. I mean, I, it's usually what you see in bowl games. We saw it last year in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Some of the young guys get in as the game was ending. But last night, I mean, even as the game was obviously tightly contested to the end, you had young guys, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, coming in as backups or even further than that and making really big impact plays. There, uh, Jordan Turner, inside linebacker, I think he was a 2020 commit. He made a, a couple of huge plays on Arizona State's last drive. So I think overall, it's, it's all games are great for because when – Maybe you have guys opt out or you are winning late. You get to get the guys in the game that normally wouldn't see time. Jim Leonard's defense is bananas. I had some stats earlier in the show I was bringing up. You know, they're top five in this, top six in this. They're top, you know, whatever overall against the run, the pass, and total scoring. His defenses year after year are great, and I don't expect that to change anytime soon. I think you can almost pencil in at least a very high level, if not one of the best defenses in the country every year. How do we stabilize this offense thing, Ben? Because over the last 10 years, every once in a while, they have a great offense to complement that defense, and then it'll drop off for a few years. How do we just stabilize this thing? Is it Graham Mertz taking the next step next year? Do we need more talent, the wide receivers? We should bring in more skill guys. What is it that we can stabilize this offense to complement this defense that, that has them in contention every year, no matter if they can score or not? The, the answer is clear to me, and we saw it throughout this year, okay. and we're going to see it going the next one. It's the offensive line. When Wisconsin, you go back to 2017, offensive line unbelievably dominant. This year, when the team lost, you're talking those three early games and the Minnesota game, yep. you saw the offensive line lose some battles in the trenches. You didn't see them go out and have a dominant showing. And as a result, Braylon Allen didn't find as much room. I, I look at the Minnesota game specifically as a microcosm of all of it. Braylon Allen really didn't have any room to operate as a result. Mertz was in tough passing situations. He didn't have great pass protection. And then it all kind of falls from there. With how Wisconsin plays, the offensive line has to get back to the level consistently that they were at during the winning streak. And I think they're going to lose a couple starters along the line. But it is, I think they have the most talent recruiting star-wise in the room than they've ever had. So it's going to be really interesting to see going to next year, A, who wins those jobs, Mm -hmm. but B, how the unit performs. Because Wisconsin's not going to go and win a Big Ten or uh, maybe even get back to the Big Ten championship until the offensive line is back to dominant Wisconsin flavor. And, I mean, we saw it at times, and they won, right? Uh, But then when they did lose, it was the inconsistency that was tough. We saw it last night, right? First half, offensive line absolutely crushing Arizona State. Braylon Allen has a lot of room to operate. Mertz is playing well. The team scores points. They move the ball. Second half, those first couple of drives, I think they had negative seven yards combined through them. That was because Arizona State started to find success in the trenches, um, and it all kind of trickled down as a result. Do you think Joe Rudolph moves along? And if so, can Wisconsin continue this culture of bringing in and developing and having dominant offensive line play? I know that was kind of spotty this year, but overall – 
you can always count on Wisconsin's offensive line to be pretty good, even if here and there they have bad games or bad quarters. If Joe Rudolph is on the way out, do they have the system in place, you think, to kind of maintain that part of the team's identity? That's a loaded question. I, I don't know if he'll go. I There was reported interest with Virginia Tech. I have no idea if he'll go. I, I've talked about it. I don't, re- I don't really see why he would, maybe aside from the money or, or a change of scenery. Yeah. Um, but Wisconsin does have a guy on their staff, Bob Bostad, who did coach at Wisconsin, coach offensive line. So he would be the guy to take over and, and continue the tradition. The thing is, as Barry Alvarez, you know, made the program on, the state of Wisconsin has great offensive linemen every year, recruiting-wise. So you have a good foundation in that way. It's just about uh, are you keeping the guys in state and and coming to Wisconsin, and how are you coaching them? So, honestly, I don't know the answer. I I think it's a wait and see if Rudolph does move on, and then we go from there. But it's hard to project because we kind of know what we're getting with Rudolph. Um, And I, I do think I, there were obviously some pains this year with the line, and there was movement, people subbing in uh, midway through the game in the first couple games. I, I think next year is a big opportunity for him to maybe right the ship after the struggles of this year. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll stay. So last question for you, Ben Kenny, and you can take this in any direction you want. Graham Mertz, after the game last night, said the program took a step in the right direction this year. And when you factor in that they started 1-3, and three, yeah. From that point on, I think they were better and exceeded expectations. But considering what we thought of them coming into this year and the expectations we had in the offseason, do you think this program took a step or not, and why? Uh, I mean, <laughs> a step forward. A step forward would have been beating Minnesota and going back to Indy after what we saw in 2020. Overall, so I would say no. But at the same time, when you look deeper into it, I do think you can point to a lot of areas where they did. They, Braylon Allen emerged as clearly the next great back uh, in in the Wisconsin program. And Malusi as another really good one as well. You have two wide receivers last night. You, you're seeing the young talent that – because the last couple of years of recruiting have been so great for the program, but obviously we haven't seen the guys on the field because they're young. We did see a lot of those young guys come in and, and start to dominate. Nick Herbig on the defensive line yet again. So I do think steps – we're taking forward towards the next quote-unquote era, but I don't know a program whole. I, I mean, it's it, it's one game. There are a lot of positives you can take away, but I, it's not like an overarching they really took a huge step forward. There's good things, there's bad things, and that's why I think some fans get frustrated that this program is seemingly stuck in one place. I don't feel that way. I, I think expectations, especially for some Big Ten schools, we need to consider that, and that's part of the equation. But that's a different conversation for a different time. Ben, you said you're traveling to Chicago. What the heck? Where are you going? Visiting some friends in Chicago, watching the college football playoff, Ooh. hanging out on New Year's Eve. Listen, I, throughout my entire life, have thought New Year's Eve was the stupidest holiday ever. I think it's pointless, but I haven't seen them in a while, so I figured what the hell. That's a good point, and drinks will probably be cheaper in Chicago than they are in Madison. <laughs> I, that, that is, that is not the case. But you know what I'm not going to do, Grant? What's that? I'm not going to end this interview with what you ended on Bill's huddle on Thursday. <laughs> well, I, that's what I was going to tell you, but seeing you brought it up, I will not tell you, Ben, I'll talk to you next year. But I will talk to you soon, and I appreciate the time, and, and have a good weekend and holiday, and, and thanks for hopping on and talking to Wisconsin. Yeah, have a good one. There he is. There he goes. That was Ben Kenny. We're, we're so lucky to have Ben. Ben's great. I'm so glad he's on this network. And it was really nice to catch up with him earlier today and kind of rehash the end of the season and what we can take away from a bowl game, which only so much. It's only one game. 
but some nice moments from Graham Mertz and Braylon Allen truly looks like a stud. And maybe that's the most important takeaway of all. We thought for years that, hey, put any back in the Wisconsin system and they'll be a star. Maybe not, because when the Badgers haven't had that stud, that guy who's really good, their offense really hasn't elevated okay running backs to start him. They really need that guy to, to drive the train, and it looks like Braylon Allen could be that guy. Let's talk about that coming up next. More of the Wisco Sports Show in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. About to chat with Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. If you want to send me your thoughts on the Badgers' bull win or the Packers' chances against the Vikings and Sean Mannion, who's now going to start, thought maybe we'd get Kyle Sloter, the Sloat Boat. No. Uh, thought maybe, who's the guy they drafted? Not Kyle Trask, the other one. Kellen Mond. But I guess he's not ready either, which I can't hate. The Packers drafted Jordan Love last year, and he was a first-rounder, and they were at any point never going to use him as a backup, so I can't rip the Vikings for that. Although maybe it would have been more fun to see Kellen Mond. Would have been more enjoyable. But then it's the Joe Webb game all over again. We'll put him back there. At least he can run. Well, <laughs> well, he can't throw. That's for darn sure. Joe Webb was trending on Twitter today, which is funny. 608-796-2558. Send me your thoughts on Packers-Vikings, Badgers bowl game, whatever. I'll get to them after this conversation with Matthew when we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. First, here, however, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, joining us. He put out an emergency podcast this morning when the Kirk Cousins news broke. You can read all his stuff. Purple Insider, find him on Twitter. So, Matthew, I guess I'm glad I didn't do some deep dive into Vikings film this morning and find some particular thing to talk about because the Kirk Cousins thing has become the story today and Zimmer had a presser and, and that was... I guess maybe not shocking, but not expected when I woke up this morning going into Sunday night football this weekend. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that um, all of us were bracing for it last yeah. week after uh, backup Sean Mannion ended up on the COVID list. I think we all thought, uh-oh, I mean, if your backup quarterback ends up on the COVID list, it's going to be pretty hard to avoid it, especially considering how fast uh, the Omicron variant has been spreading around sports, and even within vaccinated players but unvaccinated yeah. players even uh from uh, all studies more likely to end up getting it and so you know cousins uh ends up going on the covid list and i think he even had a sense after the game on sunday against the rams that this was a real possibility because he was asked about Mannion being out and he pretty much said look it it's in our building and you know we're just going to try to do the best i can to avoid it but um, for so many people in our country, it's been very, very hard uh, to avoid COVID, and, and sports is no different. So now we sit here and, and wait for Sean Mannion to start against Aaron Rodgers, of all people. Uh, you know, and it's, it, it kind of takes you back to the beginning of the season and where we started. And it's a really interesting bookend because um, Cousins choosing not to be vaccinated landed him on the COVID list. Uh, to begin the year mm -hmm. and Mike Zimmer was really upset about that and talked about how vaccinated players um, you know had a much lower chance of missing games because of COVID and how he wanted all of his players to be safe and safe for their families and all those things I mean he gave a couple of whole speeches about it in front of uh, the media which is unusual for Mike Zimmer but he's very passionate about it and then his worst fears come to fruition uh, right here before this game in which uh, you know it represents the Vikings last chance to make the playoffs. I mean, according to 538 that has the, the numbers on playoff odds and things like that, 
pretty much if the, if the Vikings lose this, it's over. I mean, they would need some sort of miracle, but they'd have like a 2% chance of getting in. If they were to win the game, yeah. then it's 50-50. And, you know, I didn't think they were going to win anyway, but, you know, you have a much, much better chance with Kirk Cousins, who played really well the last time he faced the Green Bay Packers. So um, this is a long way of saying that, you know, this was a thing that the Vikings were terrified of all year, and then it pops up at the worst time. Well, yeah, and I liked Phil Mackey's tweet this morning. He's at Score North, and I, like, look, I think players should be vaccinated because you have the best chance of being available for your team, but to be fair to Kirk, everyone's getting it right now. I think Kirk is going to be criticized because we saw this coming, right? Like, this has been a story that's been building. It was in the preseason and in training camp, like you said, and now obviously with the playoffs on the line, like you said, and Zimmer drew, you know, attention to this early in the year. I think that's why Kirk's going to get killed. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz, you know, we saw that coming, but I don't think that's going to be as big of a deal. I mean, this couldn't have been worse for Kirk, the timing of it all, and I think that's why he's probably going to get killed for this. Well, a lot of other unvaccinated players probably wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, Mike Zimmer said that, to his knowledge, Cousins doesn't have symptoms, and if he was vaccinated and True. didn't have symptoms at the, the current rules, he would not have tested. He would have just gone and played, which now the overall safety of approaching it that way is pretty questionable, but that's how the NFL has sort of uh, skirted around having all these vaccinated players end up on the COVID list uh, like they had over the last couple of weeks. So if he is asymptomatic but testing positive, he would have been able to play in this game. And instead, he's not because he's unvaccinated. And that's really where the rubber hits the road is that, you know, as football reporters, we focus on the football element. I don't want to debate with people over vaccines and, yeah. you know, what you what YouTube they watch or whatever. But the point is the NFL made the rules that they were different between vaccinated and unvaccinated players. So players that chose not to get vaccinated, which was a very small percentage of the league, by the way, very small percentage, Yep. Um, they, they chose to take a greater risk. And this goes for Aaron Rodgers. It goes for Lamar Jackson. It goes for Taysom Hill, I think, as well, that if you take that risk, uh, you open yourself up to people saying, why did you not avoid this? Why did you not do everything you could? I think that's really the point. Why did you not do everything you could? So that's what the criticism is. And you know, Zimmer knew this. I mean, he saw the writing on the wall that if you don't do everything you can, and there are people who did do everything they can and are still getting it, well, you're, I mean, your chances are just very high of ending up costing your team. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, to me, it's kind of representative of really the whole Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota, that he and Zimmer have never really been on the same page. He's always kind of been his own guy and not so much like, the franchise quarterback that you think about or the leader that you think about wanting for somebody who's, you know, the highest paid or one of yeah. the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. And, and this kind of just, I guess it just added to it for a lot of people. Like, yep, that's typical that he's just going to kind of go with whatever he wants to do rather than what's best for the team. And, you know, it's a definitive of who Kirk Cousins has been here. Well, and I, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Um, I think it's – is it Jim Suhan? Suhan Sohan yeah. from uh, yep. from the Star Tribune tweeted, I mean, it's Pete Kirk Cousins, right, testing positive before having one last chance to save the jobs of the people who retained him and brought him in in the first place. And I, I do think, like you said, this is kind of a microcosm of the whole Kirk Cousins era. And when, when you talk about other unvaccinated players like Al Lazard, missed time for the Packers, right? And a lot of people compared Lazard and Rodgers and how they were perceived and how people reacted. Well – the rules are just different for quarterbacks, and we're going to react to quarterbacks differently and hold them to a higher standard because of how much they're paid, but also because of the difference they make in the game. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, one quick thing before we talk about Sunday's game. 
Um, did Zimmer? What was Zimmer's tone like today in the presser? What did you? What kind of vibe did you get from him? Well, he clearly didn't want to talk about Kirk. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> okay. for one. He said, you know, he said that his exact quote was that I he, I hate to see it from uh, happen to Kirk, and uh, he's done some great things for us this year. And that was it. That was all he would say about it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how how would you react? I mean, if your job is on the line and the playoffs are on the line. Uh, and you're going into this huge game on national TV, and the thing that you were most worried about came to fruition. As, as Mike Zimmer, you know, and all the things that he's seen since he's been the coach of the Vikings, he's probably just at this point throwing his hands up and saying, well, I guess God doesn't want me to win here. I mean, yeah. uh, but, you know, there's another point to be made, though, because Zimmer brings this up a lot. People in Minnesota bring it up a lot of like, wow, man, right from the very beginning, you had the Adrian Peterson thing and then Teddy and everything else. But this year, they could have 11 wins right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, easily. You, if you beat, oh, I don't know, the Detroit Lions, or you show up in San Francisco, Cooper or if Rush. you, you know, yeah. Yeah, don't lose to Cooper Rush, whatever else, or you make a field goal, or whatever. I mean, they should have 11 wins or, or 10 wins. And instead, they let those games slip away. So everybody has to look in the mirror to some extent if they get killed by the Packers. And everyone has to say, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers missed the game, and they're going to get the one seed. Yeah. So if you had only been better through the rest of the year, you could have sustained it. It's the same thing with, like, Daniel Hunter's injury. Yeah, it's really bad that Daniel Hunter is injured. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can have other players. <laughs> you know, you can have yeah. other players who can step <laughs> in. And instead, they had no other players yeah. and uh, to step in and make a difference. And you'll see that when Rodgers isn't getting pressured from the edges on Sunday. I mean – so that's kind of been the story of really Kirk Cousins' years. Well, you know, it's the offensive coordinator one year, and this year it's going to be this COVID absence, and the other year it's something else and whatever. Yeah. But it, it always ends up with the same results, and, and good teams usually find a way to overcome things like this, right? I mean, how about the, even the Eagles? They had Gardner Minshew have to step in and win a game. Like, well, that's the backup quarterback is part of, you know, the game too, and they knew yeah. that Cousins was not vaccinated, and yet they decided to go – with Sean Mannion as their backup and draft a third rounder as opposed to getting a real backup. So, or an experienced backup, I should say. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, I, I apologize for the rant, but it's no. like, I mean, this is, this, this is the thing that needs to be mentioned is, you know, this is going to cost them with cousins being out, but they had so many opportunities to be able to overcome this. And everyone is responsible for letting those go to waste. No, and I agree. I think with teams that are trying to get over the hump, like the Vikings, and there's many teams like the Vikings, not just in football, but there's teams where it's something different every year, and there's always something, and those teams, the Vikings, certainly one of them. I have a question about the Packers' offense and then the defense. I want to ask you about the defense, because I think Week 11, when the Packers and Vikings played the first time, Matthew, I think it it was an inflection point for this Packers' defense. I thought they did a lot of good things at U.S. Bank, actually. They pressured Kirk really well. They got him to throw up the ball for grabs, but the Packers didn't come down with it. Justin Jefferson did. Since that point, the Packers have been a little bit more conservative on defense, and I hate it, because I think they did good things against Minnesota. It just didn't work, and ever since then, they've, they've changed it up a little bit. What do you remember about the way the Packers' defense played in that week and what we've seen since. Yeah, well, the funny thing about that game was that uh, Kirk Cousins had great stats under pressure in that game. As you mentioned, that he was willing to go downfield to Jefferson, sometimes recklessly, and uh, there should have been a Darnell Savage interception that he didn't come down with uh, and so forth. So he got a lot of great breaks in that game. I think there were penalties also that were pretty costly to Green Bay in that game. It was one where 
if both teams play the same way that they do a thousand times, yes, the Packers win yes. nine hundred out of a thousand. But that was the, that was the one, you know, the ten percent. Yeah. Um, because of the number of contested catches that the Vikings got in that game and so forth, and then, you know, I mean, even Rasul Douglas has had a great year. He gets turned around at the uh, on a throw to Adam Thielen that yep. probably should have been picked right there. And then after that, it seemed to kind of throw off Kirk Cousins in the following weeks. That you know, I guess it affected both teams the way that that game went because Cousins got very conservative again with his play and wasn't taking as many risks. It was like he saw on tape how close there was, you know, to some interceptions there, and decided, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And uh, it was kind of an interesting. Uh, I was very interested to see how he played the second time around because he had taken so many risks, but. Uh, you know what, this one is probably really just going to come down to does Delvin Cook absolutely destroy uh, Green Bay? And if he doesn't, the Vikings won't win. Um, but he has done that in recent years. So, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see, like, are they prepared for screen passes this time? Are they yeah. able to slow him down in the run game? We're talking with uh, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Packers offense, last thing, and then I'll let you go. Why is this Packers offense amazing, seemingly 70% of the time and unstoppable 70% of the time? But then the other 15 to 20 or 30%, they just shut off, and they go three and out. They start slowly. The second quarter is always amazing. And then the second half is kind of a toss-up. They've had chances to close the last two weeks against the Ravens and the Browns, and they can't do it. What's up with this Packers offense? I know most of the time really good, but when it's not, you can just see it. Something's not right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, I can put a finger on it exactly, but, you know, we've seen them do that to the Vikings in the past, and I wonder, I've always wondered about, like, you know, there was one game, maybe it was 2019, where they were up three scores in, in an eye blank, yeah. and then the game still came down to the final play, and the Vikings came back in that game, and that's happened a few times. Uh, even in the 29-29 tie game, it was it was a big lead for the Packers, and they let the Vikings come back. Uh, so that, that always seems to be a capability. I wonder if it's just, in a way, like a lot of teams do that, but we don't watch every single game of, sure. you know, I don't know, Cincinnati like we do for the NFC North team. So we notice it more. Um, you know, I do think maybe there's something to Matt LaFleur that is a, a little scared, plays a little scared, a little bit like, okay, we've got the lead. We're going to hunker down here. We're going to try to run the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going we're gonna to be a little less aggressive. Um, but there's also some things like, Against the Browns, they got criticized. Oh, you didn't beat the Browns by enough. I mean, Devontae Adams, who never drops passes, dropped the pass. Mm-hmm. That would have pretty much put put an end to it. So, yeah, I mean, I think every game kind of – it ends up like that in the NFL today. I'm not sure if it's one thing or another, um, but if you're the Vikings with this game, if it was Cousins and you got down two scores, you'd think, oh, you could come back. Yeah. If it's Mannion, you're not thinking that. <laughs> no, I agree. Matthew, I really, really appreciate you. Enjoy the game. It's going to be cold. I will love watching it from home. I love cold weather games. I don't need to be at them. So I will be hunkered down on my couch. Enjoy the game on Sunday night, and I appreciate your time as always. Have a good New Year. Yep, thanks for having me, man. Matthew Collar, as I've thought about that interview, because I talked to him at 1.30 this afternoon, he was catching a flight. He was nice enough to call me from the airport, which is why there was a little bit of background noise. He picks up the phone. He's like, hey, is it too loud in here? Like, I'm sorry, I'm at the airport. It's like, dude, I would never call someone from an airport. That's, that's me time. When I get to the airport, I'm traveling solo. I'm just going to sit there and listen to music. He was nice enough to to chat with me for 15 minutes while at the airport. So I appreciate it, even with a little background noise. As I thought more about that conversation, especially his last answer, when asking about the Packers offense and how they will gap a team and then they'll let them back into the game and it'll be close once again. That is the NFL, right? And I know it looks bad with the Packers sometimes and they need to quit it with the three and outs. 
But the NFL is the league that's so elastic. Nobody's blowing out teams every single week, right? Teams just don't win games that often by double digits. That's why the spreads never really are that large. And it's really tough to bet against the spread. It's really hard to bet against the spread because even when you think one team is that much better and they're going to win by 17, well, then we're halfway through the fourth quarter and there's a couple garbage time scores and it's right back to being an eight-point game or an 11-point game or a six-point game, right? So maybe part of that is just structural in the way that the NFL works. Maybe it's not a huge indictment on the Packers' offense, although they do nef- you know, definitely have some things to clean up. Brett's in the cross. Brett, what's going on, man? I, you tried to call earlier, and then you had you didn't try again. I'm sorry, but we had some guests. What's up? Uh, well, I just wanted to call and say uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to and you as well. I just wanted to be like last year. I wanted to be your last guest. <laughs> Go Last guest to 2021? I like that. That's a good strategy. I yeah. like that. That's two years in a row. Yeah, that's something um, I would try. But anyway, so I caught your uh, Badgers comments, mm-hmm. and I uh, it wasn't a pointless game, but I can tell you that they should have gone for a field goal or a touchdown at the end because <laughs> they it was a push. Yeah. The spread was seven. That's funny. I didn't even look so at dumb. the spread last night. I watched the end in bed, and I was half asleep. And as soon as it was done, as soon as the game ended, I put my phone down, and I was I was out. I wasn't even looking yeah. at the spread. I should have been paying attention to that. That's on me. Me too. I went I went to bed, and my wife's like, "Oh, why are you up so late?" And I'm like, "Uh, Badgers." And she goes, "Oh, fine." Yeah, yeah. But at yeah, nope, I had a, I had a hundred on it, and expecting to get a bunch of money. Yeah. Nope. Let me just give you your hundred back. Dumb. True Wisconsin but style. But it's fine. Just running the clock I, out. I did scoring. do. I did do a teaser with the Badgers All right. and the Packers. Okay. And I teased it three points. So I've won the first half so far, and there it sounds go. like with Cousins out, I should get the Packer side too. So yeah, be all right. How do you feel about the Packers Vikings game before we go into the weekend? Now without Kirk Cousins, what what are you thinking about that game? Well, it's going to be really fun. I to, think so too. You know, have everybody at Lambeau basically waving and telling them, see you next year, yeah. because they'll be eliminated, and we're just going to make them our girlfriends. <laughs> what? What? The Vikings. What? They're going to be, I, I would swear, but I'm not going to do that. Oh. Or be Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay, now I get what you're saying. Now I get your reference. I think there yep. is something rather poetic about probably the Vikings season and maybe the tenure of Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins and Rick Spielman all coming to an end in a freezing cold night on Sunday night football at Lambeau. There is there is a certain poeticness to that. I agree with that. Yeah, but lucky for them, we do have a backup quarterback that they can pick up because they're really good at, you know, taking our <laughs> our junk after the season. Jordan Love? Yeah, maybe they can. Oh, yeah, they give can it, have him. Give us a couple first-rounders. We'll send them over across the river. That's fine. Just give, us, that. just give us Jefferson. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson for Jordan Love. Yeah, let's do that. Are you going to be out and about tonight, Brad, before I let you go? What are your New Year's Eve plans? Uh, I'm at the in-laws in La Crosse. Nice. uh, And we're going to watch the fireworks here because I live right below the bluff. They start in like 10 minutes. Beautiful. And then uh, once the girls get tired, we're going home and I don't know. Maybe champagne and hot tub. We'll see. Oh, that sounds nice. I'm going to go home after this show and I'm not leaving the house Probably until tomorrow around lunch. You, I'm not going oh, out tonight. you're not going for a run tonight? No, I don't think so. I'll probably. Oh, will, my gosh. I'll Ebo is not going to be happy with you. Yeah, I know. I need to work out more. But that's, that's, a, that's a 2022 thing. That's one of my New Year's resolutions. Brett, happy New Year's. I'm glad there you got go. through, and I'm glad yeah. we got to chat. 
you too. I'm glad I get to be your last guest so nobody else gets to call. So <laughs> Now somebody's going to call. You just watch. Have a good one, Brett. That's Brett in lacrosse. It's been a while since we've heard from Brett. Now somebody's going to call just to mess that up, Brett. I hope you know. we got to take one final break. Three minutes, and we're back to wrap up the year on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.